although I've shared uh, multiple tithe messages myself up uh, on this stage and this platform, this is the first time I've actually ever got the chance uh, to preach on this topic of giving. So bear with me. Who knows how this is going to go? Um, no, I'm only kidding. I'm well prepared. Uh, but first of all, I just want to uh, give honour where honour is due and honour Pastors Travis and Grace uh, here this morning. Uh, honour their leadership uh, as they lead this uh, church forward, uh, you know, under Pastors Paul and Kate as well. And we're so blessed, hey, to have Pastors Travis and Grace lead it forward. So can we just honour uh, Pastor Travis and Grace right now? And I always love to do this. I love to honor my wife, Rachel, as well, who's always with me, who even then now, as I speak, was running around messaging some kids' team, trying to tell them I might be a bit later this morning and what, whatnot, and doing a heap of things. Uh, you know, she's always with me uh, with eKids and also our young adults' uh, life group, standing side by side. So thank you, Rachel. Love you heaps. <laughs> awesome stuff. Well, before I begin, I'd love to just pray first, hey, uh, and give God all the glory um, this morning. Father God, we just thank you, Lord, right now, Lord, that today is your day, God. I thank you, God, this message, Lord, that prepared, Lord God. It's not just me speaking, Lord, but there'd be the Holy Spirit speaking into every heart right now. I pray, Lord God, you'd be piercing hearts today to receive this word, Lord God. Father, that this seed will fall on good soil today. I declare right now, and Lord, I just pray for freedom in this house, freedom to give in this house right now, that the weight of, of what money can bring in people's lives will be Lifted off right now, Lord God. Any anxiety, Lord God, that might come with it, be lifted off right now. And that we, as the church, as followers of Jesus, can walk in freedom when it comes to our finances. We declare this right now in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. So good. So good. Well, this morning, as I said earlier, we'll be continuing our Anchors uh, series. And for three weeks every year, our church has a little chat on how a follower of Jesus sows in their finances uh, according to his word. And I can understand that this topic uh, around our finances and money, it can, it can make maybe a few people a little bit uncomfortable. And, and that's understandable because maybe, uh, maybe you have been probably possibly burnt in the past by a church or, or some religious organization when it's come around money. And I just, first of all, just want to break the ice and say, I apologize that they may have been your experience. That possibly a materialistic possession was worth more in, in one of your leaders or, or someone that eyes than a human being. That sometimes that someone is focused more on what you're giving than you yourself. I, I apologize if that's been your experience this morning and that is not the heart of this church right here. Or maybe you haven't heard this ever be preached on before. Maybe you're a newcomer this year and you've never ever heard of um, being talked about money with something you sort of just put to the side. It doesn't really get mentioned. But I encourage you to tune in as I believe God wants to speak uh, into every heart this morning because God cares about your heart today. He cares about what has captured your heart as well. But who knows, as Michael said earlier, that money, uh, that giving money, sorry, isn't easy, right? That giving in general is not something easy. If it was easy, then everyone would be doing it, right? Everyone in the world would be doing it without a second thought. 
if it was actually easy. I've never, in my years of being in church, I've never had someone come to me and say, oh, I'm pretty, pretty, um, I'm struggling with this and this, but given, oh, mate, that's easy. That's just like second nature to me. I mean, if it is for you, praise God. You know, you've really overcome some mountains in there to do that. But I'm sure giving is quite hard for a lot of people and a lot of families. Now, if you don't know me uh, and, and what I do, I actually am a butcher and I work full time in my family's um, butcher shop in Babinda. And to be a butcher, you actually need to do a, an apprenticeship for three years. So when I was about 15, 16, I started doing this butchering uh, apprenticeship. And as many of you guys who have been here for long enough know that Pastor Travis was also a butcher there and taught me everything I know, the good and the bad as well. Um, he doesn't like to say the bad things, you know. Um, he only mentions the good things on stage. So it's my turn to shine. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> um, but as you, um, if you're well aware of butcher shops, you know that we make sausages, right? And in our butcher shop, we make all our sausages, real old school, linked by hand. And this, back when I was an apprentice, our sausage filler was like a water-based one, wasn't electric, so it was like slow as and everything. It probably came off Noah's Ark or something like that. And I remember uh, with, with filling out sausages, you got to make sure you don't have air in them because I've never had everyone come in, hey, man, can I have those air sausages? They're awesome. Like, no one says that, right? So when you, when you do that, you got to make sure it's coming up and you pull the lid down, there's no air there. You want it to be like flush. You want to be flush and no air. Me as an apprentice, you know, 16-year-old, you know everything already. I'm just like, yeah, whatever, like threw it down, locked it in. And I remember as I turned it on and it started to come out, the, the, the filler absolutely like was a gunshot. And it, just, it was like the air coming through and it went through, it broke the skins and all the meat just went splattered all over the wall. See, this is what Pastor Travis taught me. <laughs> Um, I went all over the wall, all over the brooms, all over the brushes and everything. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. And at that moment, funny enough, my mom actually walks out the door that was behind there. She goes, you better clean that up before your father sees it, you know. <laughs> and so I'm like, got the hose out, wash it down, scrub the wall, clean it. And I got in just in time before dad come. And dad's like, hey, is everything going good? Sure is. It's fantastic here. Everything's all under control. But who knows, when you haven't done something much or when you're first time doing it and to learn it, it can either hurt or, or be frustrating at first, right? Maybe, maybe you're, you're being a uni and you had to do a bit of prac and when you go to prac, it's not maybe exactly how they painted the picture. Like It might be a bit frustrating and hard as you learn new things. And I believe that in a sense, church, the giving for some of us here can be a little bit the same. It can be a little bit difficult. It can be a little bit... Even some parts frustrating. So I'd love to open the Bible right now because I believe when we talk about this topic, and I mean any topic of that, but it's no use me just blabbering on about stuff. We actually want to see what Jesus has to say about this. Because if Jesus says it, it, it it's got to be true, right? Amen. And we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6. Everyone say chapter 6. Verses 19 to 24, which is cool. That's why I do an E-Kids, gets everyone attention. All right. So Jesus is speaking here in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. And funny enough, Michael actually mentioned the scripture. I did not copy him, okay? He copied me. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> no, I'm only kidding. Um, it says, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body 
will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Jesus is really emphasizing here. No one can serve two masters. Jesus loves being absolute. I mean, I had a conversation with a person this week. He's like, oh, Jesus was just a really good philosopher, all that. I was like, man, Jesus is the most offending person that really walked the face of the earth. Not, not to sinners or anything, but he's so absolute. It's like, it's this way or the highway, mate. You know, like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus says here, you cannot serve two masters. You might be able to get away with it in your life, you know, possibly, if you're good enough. No, he says you cannot do it. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Mic drop, right? <laughs> Only Jesus can think of these words and say this. It's pretty cool. But it's almost a part of the Bible that I believe that we, especially us in the Western world, can easily have read it before. Most of us have been Christians for quite a while now. I've probably read this, heard it, but it's easy to skip over it and be like, okay, that's cool. I'll read that. All right, next thing. Let's talk more about the stuff that's, you know, less um, intense. And then Jesus then, after this, he goes on to talk about what not to be anxious about as well. So in reflection of this, he actually talks about do not be anxious about what you wear, what you eat, your shelter, all this type of stuff. And it can seem so easy to read, but in reality, it can be very hard to practice. Hey, I'm just being real here today, okay? This is going to be a real message here. I'm the, you know, I believe it can be something we can all be battling with. But in reading this passage, church, I believe there are three main pointers Jesus is getting across to us, and I'll try and touch briefly on these pointers. Firstly, how money can linger over our lives. Secondly, why money lingers over our lives. And thirdly, how can we as Christians break this power? So firstly, how money lingers over our lives. Think about anything right now in your head. Just bring something in your head. Don't think about that. No, I'm only kidding. All right. <laughs> think about anything in your head. Does that object, figure, person, place involve some sort of money at all? Right? You might be thinking of your mom, and you'd be thinking, my mom's on a form of currency or anything like that, and you're 100% correct. But obviously, she would have clothes on, which costs money. She'd have shoes on. She might have perfume. It all relates to money. Maybe you thought of a river or a creek. Maybe you thought of the boulders or something like that. Does it involve money? It's natural, right? Of course it doesn't. And, and you're right. Like, it's made by God. It, it is a natural thing. But in our modern world, who looks after it? The, the council, probably. The people go fishing there. The, no, there's money there. When we're people are involved, there's always something to do with money. And the list could go on. You see, money has exercised power over us in all areas of our life. We need it for the basic human needs of clothing, food, and shelter. Something that is a necessity, though, for human survival in our culture has made its way to becoming a God in itself. We live in a materialistic society, church, and materialism can easily captivate our lives. Captivation means a dependent or a desire on things. And so many of these things blinds us and separates us from human, uh, as humans from God. And that's why Jesus talks about our eyes in verse 23. You can, we can interpret this in many ways. Um, but, we are, but we can easily be clouded by material possessions, saying, I need that car to be satisfied. I need that job. If I get that job, then God, I'll start giving. Uh, if I get that car, then I'll be able to get around a bit more and, and do that. You know, I need that membership. I need that piece of clothing or, or that book. Or if I only have a house, uh, uh, then, I'll be, then I'll be satisfied. And if we are not careful, these things which 
are not bad things, okay? None of these things are bad, but they can easily become idols in our lives. So that's my first point today. Second point, why, why money can possibly linger over our lives? And I sort of touched on this earlier, but how many of us have an identity, uh, can have an identity around money? Now, most of us wouldn't say we do, right? Most of us wouldn't say we're like, oh, no, not me. I don't have to worry about that. And for the matter of fact, most of us are like the rest of us, and we probably do not realize or, or think that we have any problem with greed at all. I mean, Jesus didn't have to say, watch out, you're committing adultery, right? I mean, if you're committing adultery, uh, you probably know that you are doing it. Or if you're lying, you probably know that you're doing it. If you're stealing something, you're like, I didn't know I was stealing this. You know, you probably know you were doing it. But many of us can be easily blinded, including myself, to our own greed in our own life. And the reason I'm touching on this word greed is because I believe to actually step out into what God's calling you to give, we've got to do a self-reflection of our own heart right now. God, where am I before you? I know I'm going a little bit deep here, but I believe God wants to set people free, that's all. And I just want to touch base on this, then we're going to talk about breaking this power, all right? Because when someone asks you if you're greedy at all, like the, the, the common human thing we do is when someone says, oh, you know, how are you going with greed? All we like to do is really is compare ourselves. Well, you know, I'm... I'm, pretty, I'm a giver. Well, you think of some other family. Like, well, I give more than them. Well, I do more than that, so I must be pretty good. That's our standard. That's our standard. And, and I know the like, air is really, I could cut a knife to the air right now, guys, but that is what we usually like to do. You see, when it comes to sin, we focus on adultery, lust, pride, lies, stealing, sexuality. But do we dare ask the question, Lord, how is my heart before you when it comes to money? How is my heart before you when it comes to the sin called greed? And please, church, my aim right now, please know my heart here, is not to make anyone feel guilty right now, but I believe we as Christians just need to become aware. And I'm not here to pour guilt. Not my job, please. I'm not getting out of here. But I've, I would go against what the Bible says if I didn't at least mention it to make us aware right now of what His Word has said. Okay, because Jesus warns us far more in the Bible about greed than he does about our sex or our sexual orientation. Yet, which one does our modern church like to bring up more? I feel like pretty tense. But what I'm not saying is these things shouldn't be discussed. I'm saying, no, we should just let it go and whatever. I think it, it's, it's, it, it definitely should be discussed, all these other things. But it would be quite foolish of us as followers of Jesus to elevate them over greed. To say, that's more important, let's run down to that, than share it all on an equal platform. Because as I said earlier in this point, is that money forms an identity for so many people. Whether it be their jobs, their house, their car, how many places they can go in a year, in a holiday. Maybe the holiday is what they long for, it's everything to them. It could be how many... It can be how people see their own worth, which is quite sad, actually. It also creates security for many of us. And, and I can relate to this so much in my own personal life. And understand this. I'm not saying this in the fact of, you guys all got to get your life together and I'm fine. I'm saying this because I'm human. I know this is what us humans go through. <laughs> this is not, a, I've conquered it all and now you come with me. It's like, no, no, no. We're doing this together. Come on, church. Let's start talking about this. Talk with your friends. How are we doing this and growing closer to the heart of God in this area of our life? 
because I know it's something that a lot of humans can struggle with. So we can look to money to give us more security than we look to God for it. But the third and final point today is how can we break, though, this power of money over our lives? Okay, church? How can we break it? Now, I just want to start quickly. Has anyone ever seen the movie Lord of the Rings, right? Lord of the Rings? No, kidding. I've got the ring here. <laughs> yeah, I've seen the movies. Uh, I haven't read the books, so if you've got the books and you want to share them around, I'd be more than happy to read it. something I actually do want to read. Uh, but um, yeah, it's really cool. I watched all the movies there, but I'm not this massive Lord of the Rings fan. Uh, but one thing anyone who's watched it makes you want to do, definitely if you don't really like it, makes you want to visit New Zealand because of how beautiful the scenery is. So well done, Lord of the Rings, for that. New Zealand tourism, tourism's booming. <laughs> but do you remember, uh, and if you have seen The Lord of the Rings, of course you remember this because it's like the main part, but like what well, Gollum calls the ring when he, when he gets a hold of it or he sees it, right? He calls it my precious. Now everyone's got the voice in their head, I know, the my precious and all that type of stuff. Um, the ring is so precious to him. Uh, but although it, has, although it is so precious to him and Frodo or whoever has it, it has power over them, doesn't it? Doesn't it? It's actually funny. The writer of Lord of the Rings is actually a Christian. and was good friends with C.S. Lewis who were both writing. C.S. Lewis was writing the Chronicles of Narnia at the same time as well. So you can see the Christian principles. I'm not saying it's a Christian movie, but I'm saying that you can see the Christian principles uh, throughout it. It has power over them and can cloud their minds. When they put that ring on, it's like this is everything. It controls them in things they do. And everyone here this morning has something precious to them. And I'm not saying we can't have many things that are precious, like this family, all this type of stuff. But what is the first thing in your heart that is precious? And whatever that is in your life, you're actually, it sounds pretty deep here, but we're actually enslaved to it. What is precious in our heart, the first and foremost thing, is what we are enslaved to. It could be, like I said, it could be your job. Your job could be everything. If you lose your job, man, you're a goner in your own self. You've lost all identity because this is where it's at. Maybe, maybe your whole life hinges around. It could even be a family. Now, this is like one where it's like, of course, family are precious, right? There's no, I'm not denying that. But if it's before God, then everything in your life rises and falls with family. There's no stability in your life. You know, it could be exercising. You've got to look fit and healthy to get a couple of pics on Instagram, you know, or to make a reel and you're saying, I'm just encouraging other people to go to the gym. But meanwhile, you're like trying to show off your abs and making the rest of us jealous. No. <laughs> or it could be uh, your sporting team. So you might not go for a team as good as the Roosters. And you're no, I'm not kidding. <laughs> I knew I'd get Michael to laugh about that one. <laughs> and like, you know, you're always hoping they win, but they keep losing. Now, I don't know what it is, but it could be your precious. And you see, whatever we hold precious actually holds us. Church, whatever we hold precious actually holds us. And if it's not the gospel of Jesus Christ, unfortunately, it will either crush you or slowly uh, suffocate us spiritually over our lives. The gospel of Jesus, His message needs to be what we hold precious to our lives. And when we do that, the fear of money or even possibly for a lot of people here, the lack of it will break off our lives. Amen? When we hold this gospel message center of our heart. Now, I just want to quickly ask a question. Or, or, or if you might have this question now. Well, how do I know if money's got a hold of my life? How do I know that? How do, where can I judge this mark on whether it actually does or not? I'm not too sure now, you know. 
I just want to ask the question, how do you view rich people, right? Do you get mad when you see them? Do you get, because of money, like they might actually like not give way or something. That's all right. You can get frustrated on there, but <laughs> because they're in this fancy car or something like that. But like, how do you view rich people? Do you get angry at them? Do you get jealous because they have a lot of money? Do you envy them? If so, then money is the center of your life and you believe worth is based on one's finances and status. Because they got more money, you suddenly think, well, they're like that in your life. But let's also flip the coin. How do you view the poor? Do you, even as a middle-class citizen, look down at them? Do you blame them for being in the situation they're in? Do you dodge them on the street and roll your eyes when you possibly see them in the park? You see, this also means money has a hold of your life and you're using it to be your measurement on a person's worth. When Jesus talks about finances, he doesn't take a, a liberal stance or a conservative stance. Jesus is directly centered in the middle. Both areas have their wrongs. And we as Christians, no matter, you've, no matter whether you fit into the rich, medium, poor classes, are called to love everyone no matter what and to be like Christ and to give ourselves up for them. You see, church, Christ showed us the perfect example of how to give to others. He came down from heaven, from the richness of heaven, the fullness of God, having everything at his fingertips to be come down to be a poor boy, born in a manger, to then be a refugee in Egypt, to the escaping Herod, to then come back to his homeland, to Nazareth, which was a place that nobody cared about, to then live a life sinless and then die a death on the cross that only the worst criminals would die. Jesus came not only to serve the poor, but the rich in the society he lived in. See, Jesus loved the tax collector the same way he loved the widow or the blind man. He didn't see class because money didn't have a dictatorship over his life. Money wasn't in control of him. You, you're following me here? Yeah. So when it comes to our giving today, right, some of us hear the magic 10%, which the Bible mentions. And, and I just want to say for some of us here, that in itself is a big stretch for you, okay? And that is okay. That's a massive stretch. Man, you got, you got to put food on the table. The kids are going to school. It's, it's, life is really hard right now. Maybe your income is very low and you're just going day by day, week to week, trying to, trying to get through life and, and be a good parent or a good grandmother or, or something like that. And the 10% is a stretch. And I want to say God knows your heart. God knows your heart, where you're at. It's not like all these other people are giving more. No, no, no. It's all good. The, the woman with two mites, Jesus said she gave more than the Pharisees, right? So God knows your heart in this. For some of us here, 10% would barely put a dent in the budget. And we could go on in our lives and whatever we want and still give 10% to the house of God and play no effect. But I love what Nikki Gumbel, the leader of Alpha, says here, that Jesus is not concerned about the size of your wallet. He's concerned about the size of your heart. And this is the very thing, church. I know I've really tried to dive in deep on some issues right now, but this is the very thing. If you take away any message, uh, anything from this message, is that God wants your heart. In your time, in your talent, and also in your finances. That God wants you. He doesn't want anything else. God's a jealous God. He doesn't want, oh, well, I go to church, go and I serve, but my money, I'm keeping it myself. He's always like, no, I want that too, because when he has it, it's in the best hands. As Michael said, when he has it, then he can pour blessing over your life. Amen? But you see, the 10% is just a ballpark figure. 
To really see what Jesus is asking of us is, is to give, we need to look far deeper than that. Or far higher, some may say. We need to look to the cross. Amen. The cross is the standard for us as Christians of what we need to give. Because Jesus came down and Jesus gave his all. You see, what are we putting on the altar in order to give uh, to give to God and his kingdom? To give to our church here. As, as even like Michael has said, over 20 years, amazing things that have happened. I mean, we've get, you guys sewed over and above last year. We got new chairs. We've got incredible, uh, the, the men's bathroom, which I have never, ever seen that bathroom have different flooring. Okay, I'm being real with you. I've never, ever seen it. I, I thought that was like eternal. <laughs> like, but it's changed. Hallelujah, you know. But that's because you guys give over the mud. The E-Kids out the back, we were able to buy like a little... Um, a hockey table and and we were blessed with a Nintendo Switch from someone in this church and we were able to get a sink out the back there in the future. That's because people said, you know what, I want to give. Even if it's a stretch, I'm going to give to this church to see the vision for people come to know Jesus. On a Friday night, youth coming to know Jesus. Here on a Sunday morning, people come to know Jesus. A YA life group, young adults coming to know Jesus and be discipled. That we can also give to the poor as well. People in our community through hampers or, or, or kitchens or maybe you just want to cook up a meal and, and, and take it to them as well. Maybe our friends or our neighbours, people that you know in your street, uh, in your suburb or your area. See, how is God moving in our heart on these issues? And a lot of people always ask, how much do I give? What is enough or, 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 or what, is, what is God calling me to give? And I just believe the simple answer, and there's a lot more in this, but the simple answer is until it hurts a little, until it's a little bit of a stretch, until like you're going to do the budget and you're going to say, I'm going to give this, and then the budget has to work around what we got left at the moment. But in that, what you got left is not like God's like leaving you out to dry, like washing on the line. No, God is with you. God says, You're going to do that, man. You're going to be blessed far more than you could ever, ever imagine. Amen. And because you know, church, today, I just want to say, but God doesn't want obedient robots. He wants your heart. God doesn't want us to do this because, oh, you should do it. You know, but there's a reason behind it. It's like, why do you stop at a stop sign? You know, you stop at a stop sign because if you don't, it's going to could cause an accident or it could be some effect from it. When we don't give to God, what is the effect of that? And I believe it can be that heart issue. And Tim Keller, pastor of um, Presbyterian Church, says this, It doesn't glorify God to obey if you have to. It glorifies God to obey because you want to. It doesn't glorify God at all, one little bit, to just obey if you have to. And this goes across many different areas of our life, right? But it glorifies God to obey because you want to. And as I finish today, church, in hindsight, of everything said, Jesus, our Saviour, our Lord, our Father, our friend, has shown us the greatest example by giving His life for us. This message would all be meaningless if it doesn't point to the cross. Everything has to point to the cross. All the Old Testament points to the cross. And this message right now and giving has to point to the cross. And we look to the cross right now where the Son of God gave it all for us, 
gave it all for us, not because He had to, but because He looked at you and He said, I want to. That is the heart of God. Jesus looked through the barrel of time before you were even in your mother's womb and He said, I want to come for them. I want to come for you. And that is the heart God is chasing when it comes to our giving today. No matter what you have done or even will do, it won't change the love He has for you. That His forgiveness and grace is there for you right now, even in the midst of dealing with everything in life. Maybe life is real pressured right now. There's a lot of things going on. And you're thinking right now, man, it's so challenging and this, but I still got this. And but I just want to say, lean on God. Lean on God as you come into next week. Lean on God. There's no greater cornerstone to lean on. Lean on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Let Him be the precious in your life. Let Jesus be the precious in your life. Let Him take control and be the meaning and identity of your life today. Because only when we let go of being a slave to this world and become a servant of Christ is when we find our true freedom in Him. Church, we can only find our true freedom in Jesus. You can search up and down, far and wide, but the answer is there. There will always be Jesus.